Come on, church. Let me hear you praise him. Give him everything you got in you. He is worthy to be praised, to be exalted, to be glorified, to be honored in your life and in my life. He is a good, good God. Woo! Praise his holy name. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, y'all fired up, aren't you? Y'all fired up. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday. We're 16 years old today. I was gonna have you. I was gonna. I was gonna have you greet one. I just feel led to pray right now. Let's pray right now, Father. We're on holy ground. We sense it. We know it. We're moved. Moved to emotion. Moved to passion. Moved to purpose. Father, we are humbled by what you have done in 16 years. God, we pray that you would do it again. God, we pray that the next 16 years would blow the first 16 years away and that you would get all the glory and the honor and the fame that is due your name. We love you today, Lord God. Take our minds, think through them, take our hearts and fill with them. Oh, Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, praise him, church. Come on and praise him, church. Got all the balcony up here. Hey, turn, turn and greet, I don't know, five, seven people. High five them and tell them, happy birthday. It's our birthday, church. Yeah, so glad you are here today. Everybody say sweet 16. Sweet 16, sweet 16 we are here. It is upon us. And I want to say something very important. And you've heard me say it before. Every number has a name. Every name has a face. Every face has a story. A story for which God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a blood-stained cross and raise to new life again. Every number. And normally, come on, when I say this, and you've heard me say it over the years, normally what you're doing right now, rightly so, because I do it too, you're thinking about the people who are still left out there for us to reach. Amen? It's all about them. Amen? But I want to turn it on its head for just a moment today. And I want to just push pause, and I want to let you know that you represent 
that number, that name, that face, that soul for which Jesus Christ was crucified and rose again. You. Like, I mean, you got you to just put it into perspective. We're only 16 years old. You weren't here 16 years ago. Some of you were, but take 16 years in a week. You weren't here. I, I had barely shown up. <laughs> Seriously. And so you were, you were the person, you were the name, you were the number, you were the face, you were the soul that we were going after. And I just wanted to push pause on this momentous occasion to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sticking. Thank you for catching the vision. Thank you for being a part of this church, this vision where God is reaching people and teaching people and releasing people and we're literally changing the spiritual climate, the spiritual landscape of planet earth. Thank you to all of the volunteers who serve and lay it on the field. Thank you. Come on, church. Can we just honor our volunteers? Thank you, thank you, thank you. For the staff, for the staff, oh my Lord, who lay it on the field day in and day out, week in and week out. Like I didn't see that video until like last night, like at midnight. If I had known they were going to do that, I would have put on a bow tie. I didn't realize I wore so many bow ties back in the day on vision days. But for the staff, children's ministry, student ministry, first contact, worship, office administration, facilities, on it. Can we honor our staff today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this week, you know, because it's vision day, and this happens to me on vision day, typically, I get a little reflective. I get a little, almost melancholy, if you will, and just kind of tender heart and just so grateful and humbled by what God has done. It's always been about Jesus. It always has been about Jesus, and it always will be about Jesus. He, he deserves all the glory, all the honor, all the fame of what has gone down in this place. But this week, I got reflective, and, and I did something that I never do. I, I went into my computer, and I started opening up old files. I want to do this more often. I could recycle some sermons instead of prepare a new one every week. <laughs> Seriously. But I never do that. And so I went in this week and I started looking at Vision Day messages. And I found the very first one. Vision Day 1. And I looked at the message and I found myself laughing and I found myself weeping. And I thought I would share a few things that I said back then. Is that cool? All right. I, I said this. Vision Day 1. I said, I thank God I stood before all those people. And I said, all those people, <laughs> 150 people. I said, I said, I thank God for an average worship attendance of 175 to 200 people. I was so excited. I didn't know if anybody was going to be, I, I, was, I wasn't sure Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was going to show up. I said this next, I said, I thank God for 17 believers getting baptized in 2002. I said, we already have 18 small groups. One year in, 
And I stood up at East Chapel Hill High School and I, I said this, join me in prayer that we might see 100 decisions for Christ in 2003. And God did that and so much more. And some of you are sitting there going, oh, those are pathetic numbers. I beg your pardon. <laughs> those were big praise reports in 2002. God was strutting his stuff. And some of you are here, and maybe this is the verse of scripture that you came for today. It is from Zechariah 4.10, and it says this, Do not despise these small beginnings. Glory for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See, some of you are here, we just came out. You can, you can praise God, absolutely. We, ju we just came out of a comeback series, and some of you are waiting to step into your comeback because you're wanting to step into something big. And I wanted to remind you that often comebacks start very, very small. Do not despise small beginnings. And so God has been active. He's been moving in the life of our church, and I just want to praise his holy name today. And I want to share with you a verse. You, you might not have heard this verse. It's buried deep in the Bible. It's in a book called Habakkuk. Have you ever said Habakkuk? Has that ever rolled off your lips and your tongue? Everybody say Habakkuk. That was pathetic. You got to dig. You got to get deep. You got to get guttural Habakkuk. That's better. That's better. The guests are like, what are we doing here? <laughs> By the way, guests, we're so glad you're here. Come on, really strong on the count of three. Habakkuk. One. No, I didn't say one, two, three yet. Y'all so stinking eager. One, two, three. Habakkuk. Yeah, Habakkuk 2-2. Two, two. Habakkuk 2-2. Two, two. Most people have never heard this verse, but I love it, right? Read it with me. Ready? Go. Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that others may read it and run with it. You did good. Habakkuk, read it again. Ready, go. Write the vision and make it plain upon tablets that others may read it and run with it. What I want to do today is I want to cast a compelling and clear vision. And I hope that it'll be clear to you. I'm going to write it on the tablets as it were. Hopefully the tablets of your heart. So that together we can take off out of here and out of all of our campuses and run with this vision that God has given us. And today, I just want to come right out and start with a big, bold, audacious vision. And I've already said that this church is all about Jesus. It's not about you, FYI. It's definitely not about me. Hey, it's not even about the name New Hope. And I love the name New Hope. If I was starting the church all over today, I would still name it New Hope. I love the name. And I love the vision. I love the vision today as much as I loved it 16 years ago. Reach, teach, and release. It never ends. It's limitless. I love it. But it's not about the church name. It's not about Benji's name. It's all about Jesus' name. It's all about the fame, the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Can I get a strong amen from the church? Amen. And so now that I've gotten that out of the way, I don't, I don't hesitate to stand before you and go big. Like big, bold, audacious vision. God has laid a number on my heart. 
Started sensing it back when I took the sabbatical last summer. But God is calling us to be a church that prays for and strives for and unites for and works for. One day becoming a church of 10,000 people. You feel that? Hey, if a vision doesn't make you tremble a little bit, it's not much of a vision. And again, it's not about the numbers. I just said that earlier on. Every number has a what? Name. Every name has a face. Every face represents a story for which Jesus Christ died. Take out your teaching notes. You received these. Open that up. Grab that New Hope pen in front of you. And this is how I say it in the teaching notes. In chapter 3, we are asking God to grant us supernatural favor and becoming a church of 10,000 people to the glory and honor of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Why don't you read it with me if you want to grab it. Ready? Go. In chapter 3, we are asking God to grant us supernatural favor in becoming a church of 10,000 people to the glory and the honor of Jesus. And I know what some of you are thinking. The same ones of you who were just thinking those were pathetic numbers in 2003. You're thinking those are some big numbers. Those are big numbers, Pastor. Well, I got two things to say to you. We need to go big or go home. But secondly, this is so important. It's really not that big. I want to turn it on its head today for you. But before I do that, let me just at least acknowledge that, yeah, a church of 10,000 in relative terms is a big church. Agreed? The average church size in America, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, is 78 people. Average church size in America, 78 people. So when you really stop and think about it, in 2002 and 2003, when we were a church of 150, we were a big church in relative terms. But I want to let you know that we're looking at it all the wrong way. See, let's stop talking about how big we are because I'm sick and tired of, of, of people talking about how big New Hope is. I, I'm really tired of magazines and articles that want to talk about us and all this kind of stuff. And I keep wanting to say to people, listen, we're not that big. I was in the country just a few weeks ago. I, was, I wasn't just riding around in the country, which I love to do sometimes. But this day, I was literally coming back from a, from a place out of town just a little ways. And I was out in the country and I looked and I noticed that I needed some gas. So I stopped at the gas station. And it was one of those gas stations. I can't stand these. It's one of those gas stations where you can't swipe your card. It's one of those gas stations. And so I got out and I walked into the gas station. And there was this old timer in there. He had, he had on uh, overalls, blue overalls. He was an old timer. He kind of had a cane. He's kind of walking. And he came up to me at the counter. And he goes, are you Dr. Kelly? I, I, well, I need to be real honest. I lied at first. But I always lie in that moment. I don't lie permanently, but I, when people ask me, I always say, no, I don't know the guy. So I said, no, no. And I said, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, I am. How are you, sir? And, and I was talking to him. He goes, I watch you on TV. He goes, you pastor one of them there mega churches, don't you? <laughs> he did. said it just like that. You pastor one of them there mega churches, don't you? And I didn't get into it much, but I said, really, I'm not really, sir. I don't think it's that big. There's a lot of people left out there to reach. 
Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Oh, my Lord, don't miss this. The current population around all of our campuses, check this out, is 2,247,794 people. 2 million, 2.7 million around all of our campuses, close proximity to all of our geographical campuses. The projected population in 10 years around all of our campuses is 2,956,828 people. Now, don't miss this. Conservatively speaking, I'm giving, I'm giving the people out there the benefit of the doubt. I don't agree with this statistic, but I, uh, conservatively speaking, it's more than this. Unchurched, de-churched people around all of our campus locations is 1,142,436 people. Numbers that represent names, that represent faces, that represent stories, souls, living, breathing souls for which Jesus Christ bled, died, and was risen to new life. 43%. We're not a mega church. Hear me. We're not a mega church. We're a small church with a mega vision. Don't miss that. We're a small church. I mean, if you think about this number, 1,142,436 people. If we were to just reach 1%, 1% of the unchurched population in this area and around all of our campuses, if you know your math and some of you have already done it, we would be a church of 11,000. So to say God has given us a vision to reach 10,000 people, it's really not that audacious when you think about it, at least compared to the number of people who are still out there needing to be reached with the gospel. I don't know about you, but it's not okay with me, church. It's not okay with me. That over 1,100,000 people are still around our campuses, lost and facing a Christless eternity. That's not okay with me. And I hope and pray, come on, that it's not okay with you. Who here wants to link arms with me and link arms with the people beside you and in front of you and behind you and in all the campuses? Who wants to go after those people? Come on, church. Who wants... Who wants to say, not on our watch. We're going to do everything we can to preach the gospel and release people who know Jesus that can help us go out there and reach more and more people. Will you engage the vision? That's the question. Take out your bags. Aren't these cool little bags? These are yours. You can take them with you. Everybody take them out. Everybody reach in here and grab this info card that's in here. Looks like this. This big one. Oh, by the way, the bags, those are for you 
to take home with you today to fill up this week with non-perishable food items. Bring back to any of our campuses next week because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Bring soups, cans of soup, and we are going to feed hungry and homeless people throughout the Carolinas and beyond. So bring those bags back next week. And then if you're like, I like the bag, I kind of want to keep it. Cool, you can dump your cans out and keep your bag. No joke. Super Bowl Sunday, next Sunday. Stinking Patriots. Listen. Stinking Patriots. I got Patriot fans saying to me, Pastor, just keep on hating on the Patriots because the more you hate on the more we win. And it is true. But I want to let you know that after I realized it was going to be the Eagles and the Patriots this year, I did some biblical research. Oh, yes, I did. Not even lying. The Bible mentions eagles 31 times. Preach. Never once do you find the stinking word patriots in the Bible. But they will probably win with pretty boy Brady. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> look at that card. I'm not going to read it all to you. Would you just stop looking at me for just a second and let your eyes fall down this? 824 salvations last year that we know about? 204 rededications? 4,459 first-time guests? I said I wasn't going to read it to you. Here I am reading it to you. <laughs> if you're a guest, Welcome. $6.8 million, $6.6 million in Hope Rising, five given to date. You see there what the money went to? We always want to let you know and be transparent with where your hard-earned generosity goes. Look at the back. I'm definitely not going to read all that to you. Let your eyes just fall down that from the top to the bottom. Can you say praise God? Come on now. My executive pastor said to me this week, we were just talking, he, he, re, he referenced this card and he goes, where else, where else can you give time, talent, and treasure and see this kind of return? Just speaking in practical terms. Praise his holy name. But that's why we do what we do, church. Because people matter to God. Here's the question again. Will you engage the vision? Christianity is not a spectator sport. Will you engage the vision? And some of you are like, okay, well, pastor, tell me what that means. Don't miss a Sunday in February. Because in February, we're doing a series called Engage. It's called what, church? Engage. And we're inviting every single one of you. I'm not talking to the guests here. I'm glad you're here. Kick the tires as long as you want. But for those of you who consider this your church home, I'm going to be challenging you to get out of the grandstands. Get on the playing field. Because the church of Jesus Christ, when she is hitting on all cylinders, she is the most beautiful, redemptive agent on planet Earth. The church is the most exciting thing happening on the planet. It really is. It's not Duke basketball, which I was at yesterday. 
Carolina played state. <laughs> we both lost. But Garner celebrating. It's not North Carolina Central. It's not the Gamecocks. It's not the greatest new television shows. It's not the greatest new, brightest business endeavor. No, no, no. It's not politics. The greatest thing happening on planet Earth is the church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that compares. So will you engage the vision? Will you give your one and only life so that one day we might celebrate in heaven the fact that God has used us to reach, teach, and release people for his purposes in the world? I was on sabbatical this summer. And besides that number 10,000, the other thing God really gave me was two words. It is really in conjunction with the 10,000 because God whispered to my spirit. If you don't know, I was, I was gone for like three months. I read lots of books. I did lots of prayer. I did some retreat, did some counseling. Oh, Lord, I need it. Um, <laughs> I, I did, I did uh, some travel, had some great family time. But it's as if God said, Benji, there's no way the church will ever reach a number like 10,000 unless it learns to embrace two words. That's all God gave me, two words. I want you to write them in your teaching notes. They're needed and known. Needed and what, church? Needed and known. The biblical vision of the church, you'll see this in your teaching notes, is a family. A family whereby every member is needed to accomplish the mission of God and known through a loving community of grace and truth. The biblical vision, read this out loud to me. I want this to really settle in deep into your soul. Especially those of you who just kind of come and you just consume. It's all, it's all about you. It's just, you know, I just want to come. I just want to get my fix, get my spiritual high, and I'll see you next Sunday. Read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. The biblical vision of the church is a family whereby every member is needed to accomplish the mission of God and known through a loving community of grace and truth. We'll never, ever get what God has for us without needed and known. And I know some of this is news to you, but you're needed here. You're needed we will never reach our redemptive potential without you in the game. You're needed. And the other part of that is the church is supposed to be a family. You're a pretty good-looking family. I might say so myself. Look around you. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is supposed to be a family where you can take off your mask and actually be known by people. There's only one requirement of this church. No perfect people are allowed. So if you think you're perfect, peace out. You got a magnet on your car when you get out there. We did. We did do it. We did. We did. 
We, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, last week I, I, I kind of threatened and toyed and played with the idea of, of sticking a magnet on your car. And I asked, would people mind that? And only like two people said they would mind it. And I looked at them and I said, I can take those two, so let's do it. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, here, is that not a great new magnet? Is that not a great new magnet? Now, we did it, but we didn't do it. Because I really didn't want to fight anybody because you'd probably take me. Um, we didn't put it on your paint. We didn't. We didn't. Because so some, some people might not like that. But we stuck that bad boy on your window. <laughs> we did. So when you get to your car later today, this is going to be on your windshield. And, and here's what I want you to do. Slap that bad boy on your car. I got two of them on mine. We got a staff person here. He drives a big red truck. I think he has like 15 on his truck. <laughs> slap it on your car. And you might be like, well, you might do just a few. You might say, I don't want a magnet on my car. Okay, okay, okay. We have window clings in the rotunda. Grab a window cling. But if you don't want a magnet on your car, throw it on your refrigerator. If you don't want it on your refrigerator, throw it on a file cabinet. If you just don't want it at all, go to your car, grab it off your windshield, and drop it in the parking lot. Seriously, we'll pick it up. We're going to go pick them up afterwards. Actually, 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 a better idea. I take that back. A better idea is go slap it on somebody else's car that you know needs Jesus. They will take it as a sign. God will probably save that person. They're on your windshields. Use them. But let's just talk about what it looks like to be needed and to be known. Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. I want to show you this is just not some mere mortal up here talking to you. This is needed and known is, is the biblical vision, the biblical image of the church. 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to be reading selected verses. You can follow along with me or you can just look at the screens, whatever the case may be. 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be what? Come on, let's just read behind the lines. You know what Paul is saying there? Let me help you out. You need, you need some help. Let me help you out. Okay? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them, Paul would say to the church in Corinth. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in what? Everybody say everyone. everyone. Everybody say air one. Good job. You did good there. Air one. Same God at work. Verse 12. Just as a body though, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form what church? One body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form what? One body. Whether Jews, whether Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body, the church, is not made up of one part, but of what? Many. Many. That's you. You're a part of the body of Christ if you are a Christian. If you're not, we're so glad you're here. Again, keep checking us out as long as you want. 
But if you're a Christian, the Bible says you're a part of the body. Now listen to what it says about the body. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, black or brown or white, rich or poor. We all form one body. We were given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Why don't you read these last few verses with me? Starting in verse 27. Ready? Go. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. Let's read this last verse, verse 31. Ready, go. Now eagerly desire the greatest gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And then if you have your Bibles open and you turn one page, you get to 1 Corinthians 13. Which is what? The love chapter. You're exactly right. So Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 1 Corinthians 13, here's the biblical vision of the church. It's one body, one faith, one Lord, but all of these many parts working together to be needed for the causes of Christ and known, 1 Corinthians 13, in a loving community of grace and truth. Will you engage the vision? I want you to think about that this week. I want you to pray about that this week. And I want you to show up next Sunday. And I don't want you to miss a single Sunday in February as we do this series titled Engage. And then check it out, newsflash. At the end of February, February 25th, after we spend three Sundays talking about engaging the vision, on February 25th, you are going to be invited to actually join the church, if you want to, on a Sunday morning. Like right on the spot. These are my people. I want to be a part of that church. I love the vision, reach people for Jesus, teach the Bible, release fully devoted followers. I want to be a part of that church. I'm going to engage, and you are going to have the opportunity not to attend an Abundant Life class on Mondays, which is what we typically do, which is awesome, but on Sunday morning, February 25th, if God has called you to make this your post, we're going to invite you to come out of the grandstands, to get on the playing field and be a part of the most exciting movement on planet earth and that is the church of Jesus Christ. Come on now. Come on now.
I got so much here that I'm going to leave a lot of it for next week. And I'm going to end with a reminder to you. It's all about people. It's all about Jesus, amen? And it's all about reaching people for him. It always has been and it always will be. And I'm going to try to get through this next part. I'm pretty emotional about it. I'm pretty, I just want you to know I'm just pretty, just pretty tender about it. Um, in just a moment, they'll show you some footage that they might show you while I'm talking. That's fine if they want to do that. I want to tell you about Brian. A group just came back from our orphanage. You have an orphanage. Maybe you don't know this. It's called the Ark Orphanage in Kenya. Due to your generosity, we have an orphanage called Ark Orphanage. We now have a kid in our orphanage. He just represents many, many, many kids. But his name is Brian. He's about five years old. And Brian, when we found him, was like so many children in Kenya, malnourished. But Brian also had been a victim of some of the most atrocious sexual abuse that you could ever imagine. And I'm not going to I'm not going to get into the details, but you can just let your imagination go. But we've rescued Brian, and he's in our ark orphanage. And he's getting food, and he's getting medical treatment to help his system. Because he's been so sexually assaulted and abused over over and over and over again. Five years old. Y'all go ahead and just, just start rolling that if you will. It's short. It's short. But here's Brian now in our orphanage. A little joy. Turn it up if you can. There's some noise to it. That's Brian. He's having fun. He's having fun. Woo! Just like I'm not okay. I'm not okay with 1,100,000 people being around our campuses who are lost and facing a Christless eternity. I'm not okay with that. I hope you're not okay with that. I'm also not okay with living in a sin-scarred, dark, jacked-up world where five-year-old children are raped. I'm not okay with that, church. What we're doing matters. This is not playing games. This is the difference between the kingdom of light winning over darkness or darkness winning over the kingdom of light. This is the difference between real people experiencing Jesus and going to heaven and real people dying without him and going to hell. And you might be like, well, pastor, I don't like the whole concept of hell. Good, neither do I. 
not here to talk about what you like. I'm not here to talk about what I like. I'm here to talk about what God likes. And it breaks the heart of God. And it should break ours. So that's Brian. I wanted to show you intentionally a a very unpolished, unedited, raw video of Brian. Taken on an iPhone, I think, just a few weeks ago. Now I want to show you the contrast. Our productions team put together this incredible video about a man by the name of Lee, Officer Lee. And Officer Lee works the traffic in front of our church. And Officer Lee didn't know when he signed up to work the traffic in front of our church that God was going to work him. And I want to... If Brian, and this is our vision, church, we exist to serve the least and save the lost. Say that with me. Serve the least and save the lost. Serve the least and save the lost. Brian is serving the least. Matthew 25, Jesus says, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. But then there's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. is saving the lost. And what it means to be on point is that you and I leave our campuses every single day and we realize we're walking into a mission field. You don't have to go to Kenya. I hope you will. It's part of our 2020 vision that every single person who calls this their church home will actually go on a missions trip. It'll change your life. You, you'll think you're going to change other people's lives. It'll change your life. But by the way, every time you pull out of a campus, you're entering the mission field. And you're rubbing shoulders with people like Lee. And all you got to do is be willing to just extend an invitation. I want you to just pay close attention to this video. Probably one of the most powerful videos we've ever done. This is a vision win. This is what it looks like to penetrate and reach 1,100,000 people. This is what it looks like to be a church of 10,000. We just care about people. And Officer Lee has been transformed. And now he's on mission. We're a movement on mission. Will you engage with that mission? Don't head for the door. After this video, I'm not even going to come back out here. We're going to go right into a song Then I'll come out, but we're going to receive the offering after the video, during the song. But trust me, you don't want to leave. You don't want to miss the last part of the service. But I wanted to show you today in very clear testimonial terms. We're here to reach the Bryans of the world, to serve the least. We're here to reach the Lees of the world, to see God save the lost. Lean in if you've ever leaned in. This is what it looks like to be a part of New Hope Church and engage this vision. Check it out. I think one day I kind of had an epiphany that, you know, life is short. We're not always going to be here. And at the end of all this, God's going to ask you what you did, you know, for me. And I want to be able to say I did 
everything I could. I felt like I was in a good place at New Hope and then, you know, God moved us away from here. We moved away from Durham. During that time, I had changed jobs. I had went overseas and worked overseas for a little bit and um, had gotten divorced. And then when I came back in 2014, I was kind of done with the work overseas and I was taking well, big cut in pay, and I'm trying to keep, you know, a, a decent standard of living for my children. And, you know, it just was a little bit overwhelming to me to, to go to that point of struggle or at least challenge. It's easy to feel sorry for yourself or feel like I deserve better or I've been doing all this stuff. You know, right, why is this, why is something like this happening to me? And, you know, what I kept hearing God say to me over and over is, you know, this is a test. You know, look at it from that perspective. Don't worry. Worry, the worry is not coming from me. I had to really kind of change my mindset. I had actually dropped a tithe in the offering plate one Sunday and about a week and a half later I got the a copy of The Blessed Life. Pastor Benji sent that to me and he kind of wrote a little note and he said, you know, this book has been a blessing to me and um, he signed it and you know, it, it meant a lot to me. What I learned from reading that book, one important point is the tithe comes off first. You may be afraid, am I going to have enough money to, to make it through the month or you know, it's not, I don't want to be, it shouldn't be a situation where you're going to wait and see how things shake out financially and then you're going to pay your tithe. You know, I got into the habit of just truly right off the bat paying that tithe immediately and then giving back to God what is truly God's. And once I realized that, you know, it doesn't, it changed my whole thinking on it. And, you know, every time I would put it on him or feel a little bit uncertain, you know, I was never left hanging. I always had what I needed. Trying to think about what I could do to, to further the kingdom of God and, and kind of live out the, new, the motto of New Hope of Reach, Teach, and Release, I kind of found that my calling was to get out there and just be my own missionary, so to speak, right here in Durham. I'm in places every day where things are going going bad and people are having problems and one of the easiest things I started doing which was really low risk low stress is just hand out the invest and invite cards I didn't know what to say I'm not, you're not always sure what you should say you know I'm not like a professionally trained missionary and I can't quote scripture exactly right all the time and you know who am I to be doing this but I would just kind of nonchalantly bring up well do you go to church anywhere if you don't here's our church and I would pull out one of the invest and invite cards because I would always keep them on me not one time did anyone say I don't want that get it away from me it was always the reaction of wow thank you so much and you know sometimes you know, they would give me a hug or, you know, you could just or cry or you could just see the, the appreciation in their face. And, and all I did was just say, hey, come to church or, 
you know what, um, we care about you, we love you, and, and you, you don't have to go through this alone. I don't have to do anything really exceptionally incredible. I don't have to go thousands of miles away. I can, it's a great thing. I can just go to work every day. It's, it's what drives me. It's, it's really what has given me the most satisfaction in my life. The mission field truly is once you step outside that door. And you're not always gonna do everything perfectly, but you know, you just keep moving forward. You know, everyone can do something. How terrible would it be for me to miss an opportunity just because I didn't feel I was totally ready or I'm not the perfect person? You know, or someone's gonna look at me and say, well, I remember when that guy wasn't living his life so right. You know, I, I, I can't worry about that because the end game is more important. And that's, of course, winning people to Christ. God takes ordinary people and lets them do extraordinary things. That's what kind of excites me. You know, what, what is in my future? What is God gonna let me be a part of to better his kingdom? And the best is yet to come.